Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Don't you ever, don't you ever do this shit. All right, things that you should never do in the United States of America. This is probably going to be a two-part episode because I've got a mega list of things in front of me. And I don't know how long it's going to take to get through this. So it might be necessary to split it into two parts. But either way, I'm going to give you the whole list, my friend. Um, I did a decent amount of research on this, searching the internet for different blog posts, different Reddit posts and stuff like that, trying to get various responses and perspectives on things that you should not do in the United States of America. And this episode was inspired by a conversation I probably had a couple of weeks ago. And this woman said something about, we were talking about American English and she said something like, oh, you people, blah, 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 blah. And I had to let her know real quick that you should probably avoid saying you people when you're talking, at least to Americans. I don't know about English speakers from other countries. I don't know how it is in other cultures, but in the U.S., whenever you say you people, especially to like some black people, any, any ethnic group, not just black people, any group of people. Um, it's just not always received the best way. It's like, well, what, what do you mean, you people? What do you mean, huh? It's just not received well. So it's probably best to avoid that. You can say you guys or y'all, but you people, probably best to avoid that. And then after that conversation, I had the idea to just make a whole episode about things you should never say in the U.S. to anybody. But um, that one's going to require a bit more research because it's easy for me to say what you shouldn't say to a black person or a man in the U.S., but I don't speak for all black people, all men, and I definitely don't know all the intricacies of what offends other social groups in the U.S., so I got to do a bit more research on that one before I can give you the proper information, all right? So I got to do a bit more research by order of the peaky fucking blinders. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about what you shouldn't do, not what you shouldn't say. That one's much easier to um, speak without preparation about or speak about without preparation. Jesus. Um, so we're going to get right into it, my friend. This is just, again, a mega list of things that you shouldn't do in the United States in no particular order. Remember, I just compiled a bunch of responses I found on the internet and I'll do my best to 
give them to you one by one while I explain the language and the culture and stuff like that. So the first thing you shouldn't do in the U.S., you better not ever do this shit. The first thing you shouldn't do in the United States is get sick. Don't get sick. Don't get injured. Don't get hurt. Never find yourself with a reason to go see a healthcare professional because healthcare in the U.S. is going to cost you a literal fortune. You have been warned. And I was just curious because I don't know everything about the healthcare industry. So I was just curious. You know, I figured it'd be good. You might want to know some details like how much does it cost to go to a doctor or a dentist or a hospital? So I did a quick little search on the internet and quickly got lost in a bunch of different conflicting information. So I just asked ChatGPT for a summary. And this is what it told me. It says the cost of a hospital visit in the U.S. can vary widely based on numerous factors, including the type and complexity of the services provided, geographic location, the special hospital, Jesus, the specious, the specious, <laughs> the specific hospital, whether the patient has insurance, the type of insurance, and more. So let's talk about emergency room visits in the United States. The average cost of an ER visit can range from $500 to $3,000 for minor problems. For minor problems, it says. Right. However, for severe conditions that require surgery or admission, the cost can skyrocket to twenty thousand dollars or more. Oh, I'm going to just let that shit breathe for a minute. All right. Basic visits for minor problems. Five hundred to three thousand U.S. dollars. However, for severe situations and conditions, it can range all the way up to twenty thousand dollars. God bless America. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Uh, this is this is the wildest thing. One of the wildest things about the U.S. is just the cost of health care, man. I re- actually on Monday, I went to the dentist and had a significant operation done. And in my country, probably would have cost me anywhere between 800 and 1100 bucks. Here in Colombia, I think I paid 125 bucks. You know, just for a comparison, just for a comparison, no insurance, nothing. I just paid with just paid out of pocket, you know, just for a simple comparison, the fucking ridiculous nature of the price of healthcare in the good old US of A. And ChatGPT gave me a bunch of other information that says something about inpatient stay. Let me, I don't remember what that means. Inpatient definition, inpatient. A patient who lives in the hospital while under treatment. Okay. So if you have to stay there for an extended period of time, weeks or months or something, while they monitor you and suck the fucking money out of your savings account so your kids can't go to college and you can't buy a house, um, the median cost of a hospital inpatient stay was over $10,000 in recent years. But again, this can vary a lot. Complex surgeries or long stays in the ICU or the intensive care unit can push the total much higher. Again, do not fucking get sick in the United States. You will regret it for more than one reason. Uh, moving on, doctor fees. These are separate from the hospital's fees in many cases. So even if a hospital visits facilities charge is $10,000, the surgeons, anesthesiologists, radiologists, and other specialists might bill separately, adding to the total cost. So let's reiterate here, folks. Not only might you pay $10,000 fucking dollars 
for having to stay in the hospital an extended period of time. But you're also going to get billed separately for any specialist that has to see you and treat you. Talking thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. This is what people, I mean, you might know this, but a lot of people don't know this and they don't take it into consideration when they want to move to the U.S. It's like, dude, there are plenty of American citizens who avoid going to the doctor or going to the dentist, going to the hospital in an emergency situation just because they know there's no way I'm going to be able to pay for the bill. In the United States of America, dude, this is fucking wild. Anyway, moving on. Outpatient procedures. Okay, so we know inpatient. What's an outpatient? Give me a second, y'all. We're learning together here. We're learning together. Outpatient. A patient who attends a hospital for treatment without staying there overnight. Okay. So inpatient means you're going to stay there overnight. Outpatient means you go, you get treated, and you leave. So outpatient procedures. Costs for these can be lower than inpatient procedures, but still vary widely depending on the procedure. Some might be as low as a few hundred dollars, while others, especially surgeries, can be several thousand dollars. Next, the insurance impact. People with insurance often pay less out-of-pocket than the total bill because insurance companies negotiate rates with providers. So again, out-of-pocket, I said that a second ago, it just means that you pay the entire price of the service or the product with the money that's in your proverbial pocket. It doesn't have to be in your pocket. It could be your bank account or whatever. It just means that nobody else is covering the cost. Insurance is not going to pay a percentage. Your job, Jesus, nobody's paying that shit. It's coming all out of your pocket or your bank account. So what did it say? Um, People with insurance often pay less out of pocket than the total bill because their insurance companies negotiate rates with providers. Corrupt sons of bitches. Um, However, patients still face deductibles, co-payments, and out-of-pocket maximums, which can result in significant costs. Uh, Moving on, uninsured or cash pay, meaning you have no insurance and you need to pay with cash. Some hospitals might offer a discount for patients paying in cash, but being uninsured often results in higher out-of-pocket costs. Let me read that again. Some hospitals might offer a discount if you're paying with cash and you don't have insurance, but being uninsured often results in a higher out-of-pocket cost. So the price is higher. You get a discount, but the price is higher. So you're probably going to pay the same, the same price, right? See these sneaky motherfuckers, man? Um, location variances. Costs can vary by state and even by city. Typically, urban hospitals have higher costs than rural ones. That's such a tough word. Rural. Rural. Sound like a cat coughing up a hairball. Rural. Rural. R-U-R-A-L. Rural. Rural. Couldn't we have changed the pronunciation on that shit, man? Rural. Rural. Doesn't even sound like a word. It just sounds like I'm drunk. Rural. A rural run rural. You know what I mean? How is that a word? Urban hospitals have higher costs than rural ones. Rural. I can't even say it in Spanish. Rural. In Portuguese, it's easier. Um, but there are exceptions. So basically what they're saying is the cost of healthcare varies widely depending on the city you're in, the state you're in. Stuff like that. It varies from place to place. It says, given the complexity of the healthcare billing and 
the number of variables involved, it's challenging to pin down an average cost that will represent for all scenarios. When they say pin down, I say they, when it, the fucking robot, says pin down, it means it's it's hard to, you also hear pinpoint or uh, define exactly or precisely an average cost that will be representative for all scenarios. In other words, because there are too many variables, too many factors involved, it's hard to say this is how much healthcare costs. It really depends on where you are in the country and it depends on the severity of your condition, obviously. It says, if you or someone you know is facing a hospital visit, it's crucial to research local costs, understand your insurance coverage, and possibly discuss payment options or financial assistance with the hospital in advance. Because that makes a lot of sense. If you break your leg today, before you go to the hospital, make sure you pull out your phone and research the cost so that you don't have to sell your fucking house just to get your leg fixed. Jesus Christ, man. So... In summary, don't get sick in the United States of America. It's not going to end well for you. Um, man, that deserves its own episode, doesn't it? Healthcare in the United States of America. I'm just not educated enough on the subject to speak about that confidently. That would take a lot of research. So maybe in the future, y'all, let me know if you want to hear an episode about healthcare. Maybe I'll find a healthcare professional, somebody who actually knows what the fuck they're talking about. Um... Yeah, we'll leave that one for the future. Let's move on. We've got a lot to get through today, my friends. The next thing you should never do in the United States of America is cut in line. Do not cut in line. If you see a line, fucking fall into it, all right? Do not jump ahead of anybody in line. It is not going to be received very well. Now, when I was reading the blog post that had this, uh, this recommendation, whoever wrote this said the following. They say, we are not British. We won't just shake our heads and mutter under our breath. <laughs> Americans will absolutely start a fight over line cutting. That's actually true in some cases. Uh, it will become a whole big thing. People will film it on their phones and boom, there you are all over the internet getting beat up because you couldn't just wait your turn in line for a few minutes. I'm going to say I have to agree with that one. I don't know about the British thing. I don't know how British people react to line cutting. Um... This what this person is suggesting that the British would handle it like passively aggressively, I guess. I don't know. I can't speak on that one. Um, but I do agree with the rest. Like there in some places, man, depending on the day, depending on the time, people will literally fight you. Just because you cut them in line, because it's, it's disrespectful, man. What the fuck is the point of a line if you can just jump in front of people? What's the point that literally defeats the purpose of the line? Right. We're all fucking waiting our turn. But in order to keep things nice and organized, we file into a line. And if you can just jump in front of people, what the fuck is the point? There, sh there shouldn't be a line then, you know? So it's just, it's rude, bro. It's disrespectful in the eyes of the majority of Americans. I'll just say that. I can say that one pretty confidently. I don't speak for all Americans. I should have said that from the beginning. All these things I'm sharing with you, I found on the internet. And I thought that would be nice to share. Nice for you to know. But remember, none of us. Not any one of us Americans speaks for all Americans. So not only should you not take this episode uh, too seriously, you shouldn't take anything I say on this podcast too. You shouldn't take anything anybody says too seriously. You know, always verify, do your own research. This is just from my perspective and some shit I found on the Internet. All right. But let's move on. Don't cut in line. It's not going to end well. Just, just wait your fucking turn. OK, even if you see other people doing it, that's not the green light for you to then 
go do that shit. Don't cut in line. Let your fucking turn. Show some respect. All right. Moving on. I like this one. The next one says the word cunt, C-U-N-T. I fucking like that word. The word cunt is a lot more offensive in the U.S. and Canada than it is in other English-speaking nations like Australia, for example. Do not use it casually. Now, I got uh, two things to say about this one. The first one is I will agree, generally speaking, the word cunt in the United States is very offensive to many people. Now, just so you know, the word cunt means it's uh, it means vagina, really. It's referring to a woman's genitals. Uh, another word that you'll hear is pussy even though that word is used differently than the word cunt. They mean the same thing literally, but when we're using the words colloquially, colloquially, when we're using the word colloquially, when we're using the words colloquially, um, they have different meanings. If you call somebody a pussy, it's not the same thing as calling them a cunt. That's what I'm trying to say. But it does technically mean vagina. And the, the weird thing I find about this, the second thing I wanted to say is, although a lot of people will find it offensive, actually... Before I get to the second thing, a lot of people find it offensive, and this word is usually, in the United States, used with women. It's a very offensive thing to say to a woman. It's a derogatory term. The same way the word bitch is probably not going to be received very well by most women. You want to be careful with that one. So cunt is in that same category, and I'm sure a lot of people would say that cunt is even stronger than bitch. It's just a lot of people think it's a very ugly word even though even though the male equivalent of that word would be dick right or asshole the same way you would call a man a dick if a woman were behaving in the same way you could call her a cunt and you'd be expressing the same sentiment but for some reason the word cunt is unacceptable but you can call a man a dick seven times a day and it's uh it's completely fine you know um so yeah, you just gotta you gotta be careful with that one. But at least now you have some sense of what it means. And now that I think about it, that was the second thing I was gonna say is that even though people, some people find that word very offensive, especially when being used with a woman, it's like totally fine to call a man a dick when it's essentially the same thing. You call a, a woman a cunt and a man a dick for the same reasons, if you ask me. But um, one for some reason is socially acceptable, and the other one is not and for my i don't know if this is true but it's my understanding that like in australia they use the word much more casually like oh he's a sick cunt that's a crazy cunt and they usually use the word with men and i don't really know what they mean by that exactly you would have to ask an australian i'm not certified to speak on that one um but yeah in the u.s it's a pretty strong word even though you'll hear a lot of guys use it i mean guys call guys cunts the same way you call a guy a bitch or a pussy or a dick. You know, we use very strong language with each other. We degrade each other, uh, but usually out of love, right? At least with your friends. Uh, the asshole in traffic cutting you off. You just call him a fucking cunt because he's actually being a cunt. But anyway, just be careful with that word, uh, especially if you listen to me and you admire the way I speak and you want to talk like me in English. Be very careful, man, because I speak with much stronger language than the average American that you'll probably be exposed to. That's just my perception. So you got to be careful imitating natives without truly understanding 
how their speech is perceived to other natives. Now, you obviously don't have to care how your speech is perceived. I'm just reminding you to be careful when it comes to imitating everything you hear without having a true understanding of what you're saying. All right. So, yeah, for the most for I can't say most people, for a lot of people, the word cunt is quite offensive. Generally speaking, it's offensive to, to women. Guys use it. And I don't know about I can't speak for other guys, but to me, it's funny. I like the word. So uh, you do what you want with that one. All right, let's move on. The next one says, do not trespass. That whole trespassers will be shot thing is not a joke. All right. So under that, the, the text that was under this recommendation, it says, do not walk onto somebody's property without permission or at least without knowing the owner. It's cool in many places around the world to be able to go wandering through the countryside, but it's not cool in the U.S. You might end up getting arrested or physically harmed or fucking shot. You got to be careful with that one, man, especially in the South. Because people, you know, people's property is just that. It's not yours. It's theirs. So you got to be careful just like walking into people's yards or fucking being. If it says private property, don't enter unless you have business there. All right. And the the, the whole the comment about the whole trespassers will be shot thing is not a joke. What this person is saying is sometimes you'll be walking through certain neighborhoods and you'll see a sign on the person's door or the person's fence. It says no trespassing or trespassers will be shot. And I can't say whether or not people have the legal right to shoot you just because you're on their property. I don't think they do. But if it's in a situation where you're perceived to be a threat, depending on the situation, it, it would be arguable that that person had the right to shoot you. Um, you certainly don't have the right to be on their property, right? So uh, just don't. And let me give you the dictionary definition of trespass. Hang on. Trespass. Sounds French, doesn't it? Trespass. To enter someone's land or property without permission. Yeah, don't do that shit. Don't do that shit. If you hear somebody say, hey, you might want to get the fuck off my property there, son. And then you hear it. Just fucking walk away fast. All right, moving on. The next one. This one, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with it says the price marked on the shelf does not include taxes what you see is not what you pay meaning if you go to a store in the united states of america pretty much any store except maybe like a thrift store where you can buy used products shirts electronics and shit like that any any store generally speaking if you take a product off the shelf you're going to see one price on that shelf let's call it 1975 when you go to the cash register to check out, you know, you're going to see a different price for that same product. They're going to scan the item and then the computer is going to add tax onto whatever the initial price was. And that becomes the price that you pay. And a lot of people have that question, like, why the fuck do you put two different prices or why am I seeing two different prices? If I go to the shelf and it says $19.99, I should pay $19.99. So confusing. How do I know how much tax I'm going to pay after I gather all these items and take them to the register? And the thing is, you really don't, man. It's just like a really cultural thing as Americans, generally speaking. We just kind of do the math in our heads. We just kind of guesstimate how much tax is going to be added onto it based on the price of the item. So if I know if, the, if it costs like $650, i will probably pay, I don't know, like $690 something, maybe $7 and change. You just kind of mentally add that little buffer because you know they're going to add tax 
to whatever price you're seeing. And it depends on the state. I actually did a little research on this one. And it says, according to calculator.net, I don't know how reliable this is. It says in the United States, sales tax at the federal level does not exist. At the state level, including the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and Guam, um, all states except five do not have statewide sales tax. These are Alaska, Delaware, Montana, New Hampshire, and Oregon. States that, okay, I'm not reading all that shit. It's like three fucking paragraphs. What I wanted to share with you was the fact that it depends on the state. In some states, you pay more tax on these items. In other states, you pay less tax. So for example, in California, tax is 7.25%. So if you buy a candy bar, whatever price you see, add 7.25% to that, and that's what you're going to pay. In Georgia, it's 4%. In Kentucky, it's 6%. Mississippi, 7%. So it's between 4 and 8%, generally speaking, in taxes that you're going to pay on most products. Not all of them, but most products. Um, so yeah, just don't assume that what you see is what you pay because it's almost always not. You know what I mean? So there you go. All right, moving on. Respect the drinking age. 21 is the legal drinking age in the United States. Technically, right? They say, what does it say here? Don't try to reason, reason, convince. What? Don't try. Okay. Don't try to reason with or convince the bartender that the drinking age is 18 in your country. It's not that they're being difficult just to be difficult. Their jobs and possibly the liquor license of the establishment could be revoked for something as small as this. And in plain English, basically what they're saying is if you go to a bar or a club, you're 19, you're 20 or whatever, don't try to explain to the bartender. But back in my country, you can drink at 18, right? Because that bartender is probably going to be like, okay, but we're not in your country. Here it's 21. And just by selling you this alcohol, I could lose my job. This this bar could lose its liquor license, meaning it could lose its legal right to sell liquor. You know, it's against the law. So you just have to uh, respect that for the most part. I mean, obviously, a lot of people don't. I remember when I was in college, we had a very creative way of getting liquor, even though technically we weren't supposed to. But I'll save that story for another day. Just know that technically you can't drink alcohol or purchase. You cannot purchase alcohol if you're under the age of 21 in the United States. And so then in the same blog post, they went on to say, you can buy alcohol in any store, but you will get the long dick of the law <laughs> if you open that puppy up in public. Let me explain that. They're saying you can buy alcohol pretty much everywhere in the United States, at gas stations, there are liquor stores, and a liquor store in the South is called a package store. I don't know why. It's the same thing, but they're everywhere. You can buy beer, wine, whiskey, vodka, rum, you name it, we probably got it somewhere in the city, right? But you will get the long dick of the law if you open that alcoholic container in public. Now, when he says you will get the long dick of the law, he's basically saying you will get fucked by the law, the legal system, because it's illegal to drink alcohol in public in the United States. It's even worse if you're driving your car and you have an, a container with alcohol in it and it's open in your car. So if the cops pull you over, if the cops stop you and they look inside your car and they see open beer cans or whiskey bottles or something, it's not going to end well for you. That is against the law. Okay, so you got to be careful with the alcohol 
in the United States. You know, if you're going to drink, do it in an establishment or do it at home. Don't do that shit in the streets, no matter what you see other people doing. Okay. Keep yourself out of trouble because the American legal system is not very forgiving. All right, let's move on. Um, It says, don't dine at a sit down restaurant and not tip just to make a point. Don't dine at a sit down restaurant and not tip just to make a point. Uh, Okay, okay, okay. So this one, I don't I don't completely agree with this one. And maybe you guys have heard already about tipping culture in the United States, how you're kind of expected to tip. Some people actually believe you should tip no less than 10 percent of the bill. Some people tip 13. Some people tip 20 percent, no matter what the bill is. Automatically, that's how much they tip. Other people, it's 5 percent, 8 percent. Everybody has their own sweet spot, their own preferred percentage that they tip. And culturally, it is kind of expected, for lack of a better word. Culturally, it's ex- it's expected of you to tip if you sit down at a restaurant and have a meal. But personally, I don't think that you should. Uh, I'm not going to say it that way. Personally, I don't tip just because it's expected of me. I tip if the service is good and I have nothing to complain about. My experience was great. I tip you know, for the great service. I appreciate that. Here's a few extra dollars. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. But I don't think it's, I don't think it should be obligatory. And what you'll hear a lot of people argue is like, well, these waiters and waitresses, they're getting paid minimum wage, sometimes less than minimum wage, and they can't survive without those tips. And although I understand that I've been a waiter before I've worked in restaurants, I have, I've lived off of tip money before delivering pizzas and shit. I get it, man. I don't disagree with that statement. However, I also don't think it's the customer's responsibility to compensate for the fact that their employer is not paying them enough. The employer should just pay them more so they don't have to survive off of fucking tips. No? Anyway, tipping, I mean, you do what you want. You don't have to tip, but don't be surprised if you get a dirty look or the next time you go back to the restaurant, um, they're not the happiest to see you. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying socially, um, you are expected to tip, but I don't tip just because I tip because the service was good. And I know the difference that three or five or 10 extra dollars could make for the person who just gave me that great service. You know what I mean? Um, so if you if you're living in the U.S. right now, because I know a lot of people listening right now actually live in the U.S. And um If you are at the age where you want to work a service job like that, I would say if you have a car, man, deliver pizzas, you will get ridiculous tip money, bro. I remember when I was in college, I delivered pizzas pretty much the entire time I was in school. Um, And there was a point very early into my pizza delivering career, (laughs) early into my career, I was making literally the same amount in tips that I was making my formal paycheck. So it was like I had two paychecks just because I was getting so much fucking tip money. And I lived in a college town too. multiple universities. People were always buying pizzas, tipping three dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, a couple of times, fifty dollars, a couple of times, a hundred dollar tip just because they were feeling good. And I showed up at the right time. I probably came with the right vibe. You know, I'm smiling. Wait, man, let's party. Hell yeah, man. Give me a shot, man. Give a motherfucking shot. See you know. Got a $100 tip more than once, man. More than once. So if you're trying to make some extra money in the US uh, and you got a car, 
you're probably going to fuck your car up putting all those miles on it and everything. But shit, a little quick cash to put in the stash. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, just um, just be conscious of tipping culture in the U.S. It's not obligatory if you ask me, but it's socially expected. You can tip however much you want. If you ask me, $3 is a respectable tip, you know, from each person, let's say. But even if it's three or four of you and you leave $3, like you're not obligated to leave that money. So that's a respectable tip. If you ask me, $3 is like, cool. I appreciate the service. Here you go. $5. Great. $10. Shit, man. That's a fucking excellent tip. If you ask me anything over that and you are just feeling fucking generous today, you got money to waste. Or you just want to bless somebody real quick. I don't know. But yeah, between 3 and $7 is more than respectable, if you ask me. I guess if you go into some high-class restaurants or some shit like that, some five-star, name of, what's a five-star restaurant? I don't know, fucking uh, Roof Chris, you know, and you get your filet mignon and all that shit. Maybe you'll be expected to tip more. But dude, I just paid $600 for an ounce of steak. Fuck off, bro. I'm not tipping you extra. Talk to your employers. You know. Anyway, moving on, sticking with the, th- the topic of restaurants, this next recommendation says do not sit around for hours in a restaurant after eating because the wait staff will get fussy. Now, fussy kind of means irritable. That's basically what it means. Let me just double check with a dictionary definition. <laughs> definition. Fussy, fastidious about one's needs or requirements. Hard to please. Okay, what does fastidious mean? Fastidious, very attentive to and concerned about accuracy and detail. Okay. I don't know if that's the best definition in this context. Fussy in this context to me is more like irritable. You know, because I'll say like if the baby is fussy, it means that the baby's very irritable. So it's crying, it's cranky, it needs lots of attention, or I've given it milk, I've I've burped it, I've I've fucking I put the baby on my chest and tried to rock it to sleep, nothing's working. The baby's just very irritable today. Or if the dogs are fussy, you know, especially those tiny little dogs, those ankle biters, that they're really fussy today. They're just really snappy, just you know, that's fucking fussy. Um, so they're saying if this is a, this is an important point to make, I think not point, but an important recommendation, because I know in some cultures you'll go out to eat and you, you know, you take the whole family Sunday afternoon. We're going to fucking feast tonight. Corinthians one, we're taking the family out to fucking celebrate. You know what I'm saying? So you guys go out to the restaurant you order lots of food. You're having a good time. You're drinking, you're eating and shit, talking with the fam, enjoying the Sunday. You finish your food and then you sit around just talking and enjoying each other's company for the next hour, for the next two hours in the restaurant, as opposed to getting up, going back to your homes and enjoying each other there. That in the U.S. is not really a cultural norm. You're expected to eat your food, you know, stay behind a few minutes, talk, do what you got to do. But then get the fuck up and walk out. You know what I mean? This restaurant has more people to serve and they can't serve them until you get up and leave. You know what I mean? That's just, again, I don't speak for all Americans, but that's my perspective on the culture here. That's generally what we do. That's generally what's expected. If you eat all your food and then you sit around for another hour at the table just talking, it's like, what 
do y'all not have houses to go to or what? This is not a place where you just hang out, dog. This is a business. And like I just said, if you're occupying these tables, that means we can't serve more customers. We're losing money. All right. So you might come from a culture where it's like, well, I'm the customer and I'm supporting this establishment. I paid good money to sit in these chairs and eat this steak and fries. But I'm just telling you, man, culturally, it's like, okay, can we get y'all something else? Or you plan on leaving sometime tonight? We got shit to do, you know? That what's probably going to happen is after y'all eat, if it's a, if it's a decent establishment, the waiter or waitress is going to be checking on you periodically. And once they come by and see everybody has eaten all their food, all the drinks are finished, right? They're going to ask, um, would you like some dessert? Can I get you the check? Something like that. If you don't ask for it, they're probably going to bring it to you after a certain amount of time. One, because that's our idea of good customer service. So you don't have to ask for it. But two, it's like, I see y'all are done. So you're ready to leave. You're going to pay us now. We'd like you to get the fuck out so we can serve some more customers, right? Culturally, I would say that's the norm. So you can do what you want. Just know that if you're getting weird looks, if the whole, if all the staff in the establishment are standing in the corner looking at y'all, and they, they don't look like they're happy, they're probably waiting on y'all to get the fuck out. Just so you know. All right, let's move on. The next one, sticking with the theme of restaurants. This person says that restaurants and stores will take your cards. They, he says, I know it's weird. You'll lose sight of your card. If you don't want that to happen, have cash prepared. I don't know exactly what they meant by this, but the way I interpreted this one is... When you're at a restaurant, especially one where you sit down and have a meal and everything, if you're paying with card, you don't walk up to the, generally speaking, most places that I've been, you don't walk up to the register and pay, even though places like that do exist. What happens most of the time is the waiter's going to come over and say, here's your bill. And if you're paying with card, you put your card in the little, it's kind of like a folder that they give you with the bill inside. You put your card in that, you hand them the folder, they walk back to the register, swipe your card, then they bring you back the receipt and then you sign and take your card back. That's generally what happens. So I think, I don't know, but I think they're referring to that. You might be confused when they take your credit card and disappear, but all that all they're doing is swiping your card to accept the payment. So you don't have to get up and pay. They're going to do that for you, you know. I don't know how it works in your country, but that might be strange for you at first if you ever come to the U.S. and sit down at a restaurant. But don't be confused. It happens. You know what I mean? Um, although I did, you know, a couple of times I remember them taking my card or somebody who was at the table, whoever was paying. I'm like, what's stopping them from just copying your credit card information and then buying a bunch of shit on Amazon? You know, even if they get caught, it's like they already bought the products, you know. So, I mean, your bank might reimburse you for that money for the unauthorized charge, but they still got their fucking products, you know? And then they just, they don't even do it on their computer. They just go to the library or something like that. Use the free internet there and um, just buy a whole bunch of shit with your card. Isn't it funny, like 20 years ago, when the internet was first becoming a thing, people refused to put credit card information into a, into a website. It's like, who's going to have my data? Who's somebody's going to steal my information and drain my bank account? And now, like, you just do it. You don't even think about it. You put your card into all types of apps and websites. You don't even think twice about it. Google saves your credit card information. So instead of entering it again and again and again, you just click purchase. You know, why do we trust Google with that type of information? 
Anyway, moving on. The last thing about restaurants. This one's actually pretty important as well. This person says, do not slurp when you eat. And just in case you don't know, to slurp is what happens when you're drinking something and you make that sound. Actually, I got a bottle right here. Hang on. I will show you sonically what slurping is. Hang on a second. Ah, that's slurping. You know, when you're drinking something and you're making unnecessary fucking noise while you're doing it, that that's slurping. Do not slurp while you eat. Uh, you also shouldn't smack. You shouldn't smack while you eat. And smacking is basically slurping, but for food. So, you know, when somebody's eating and they're talking like just when they're chewing and shit. The quickest way to get kicked out of my house is to smack at the dinner table. I don't tolerate that shit. I don't tolerate that shit. It's fucking annoying. It's just like, what are you like? What, you know, what are you doing, bro? Do you, you don't, you don't need to do that. Chew with your fucking mouth closed. You know what I mean? And I would I don't speak for all Americans, but generally speaking, I can say confidently across the board, you're probably going to annoy a lot of people if you're smacking at the dinner table, if you're smacking when you eat or chewing gum and shit like that. It's like, what the fuck are you, what do you, what the fuck, bro? Chew with your mouth closed. <laughs> Not everybody does it. There are a lot of Americans that smack, you know, it depends on how you were raised. It's a cultural thing, right? Again, I don't speak for all Americans, but generally speaking, man, don't fucking smack your food, dog. That shit is so annoying. Don't slurp. Don't smack. Be as quiet as possible when you ingest food and consume liquids. All right. Just my recommendation. Now, I do respect the fact that in other cultures, it's totally normal. Right. In some cultures, it's actually seen as rude or it's it's a bad sign if you're silent while you're eating or drinking. I know in some countries when you're drinking soup from the bowl or eating noodles or something like that, if you're slurping, that means it's good. That's a positive thing. If you're silent, it means you don't really like the food. It's not that good. You know, um, but that's the I mean, that's the reason for this episode. It's just a difference of culture and you don't have to like it or participate in the cultural norm. You just need to be aware of it. That's the whole point of the episode. So, again, don't if you know, just don't if you can avoid it, then don't don't, don't slurp or smack. That shit's annoying. It's, it's a, a very easy way to get people not to like you or invite you to the next dinner, you know, <laughs> I can't stand Tommy's always fucking smacking. This motherfucker's always smacking when he's eating his food, dog. No, we are not inviting him to lunch. I'm not trying to hear this motherfucker smack for 45 minutes. I'm going to end up smacking him. You know? Chew with your fucking mouth closed. All right, let's move on. This one says, do not call a black man boy in the United States. I don't speak for all black people, but I will say, man... If it's not 100%, of black men would agree with this one. Do not call a black man boy in the United States of America. And there's a reason for this. And it has everything to do with the history of the United States of America. Because back when slavery was a thing, or illegal slavery was a thing, um, white slave owners and, and white people in positions of authority would refer to black men as boy 
as a way to degrade them and dehumanize them and infantilize them, basically saying you are not a man, you are not respectable like a man is. Um, you are less than a man. You're just a little boy. You're not to be taken seriously. You're infantile. You're stupid. You're just not on the same level as a man. You're just a little boy, you know? Um, and even after slavery was abolished, legal slavery was abolished, uh, it, it kind of continued and it just became a very easy way for racist white people to degrade black people, particularly black men. So even today, even if you don't mean it in that way, just said at the wrong time in the wrong way for any reason, if you're referring to a black man as boy, uh, it's probably not going to be received well. They'll probably say something like, "Who the fuck you calling boy?" What you? They want. They probably won't be that aggressive initially, but they'll probably say, "What do you mean, boy? What you mean by that? Are you calling me boy?" You know, I'm sure a lot of guys would respond in that way, and you might think it's weird because especially in the black community, it's normal if I say, this my boy right here. That's my boy. It means that's my friend. That's my partner. That's my homie. That's my boy. When it's said that way, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're talking to a, if you're talking to a guy and you say, what'd you say, boy? What did you say, boy? I can't do a Southern accent very good. What, what did, what'd you say, boy? You know where you at, boy? You better get from around here, boy. I can't do it. I can't. I was trying to imitate like a stereotypical Southern accent. I, I don't know why. I can't do it. But anyway, if you say it like that, who are you talking to, boy? Shut up, boy. You know, you cute little boy. Anything like that is not going to be taken very well. It's seen as disrespectful. So if you can avoid it, just don't call black men boy. And again, the next bonus episode of the podcast, most likely going to be about shit you shouldn't say in the United States. So we'll go deeper into that one. In the next bonus up, one of the next bonus episodes. I can't remember which one's next. But anyway, yeah, just uh just don't do it. And this this should go without saying, don't use the word nigga either, bro. I know you hear me use that word sometimes. I try my best not to use that word on this podcast because you know, culturally it I'm sure that it's just you just don't use it around everybody. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain that. It's really hard to explain that. I just don't use it around everybody. And I'm sure it might be alienating to people who are not from this country or people who are not black from this. Really, anybody who's not a black person from this country, it might be alienating if I'm constantly using the word nigga, you know, because you're like, well, is he calling me nigga? Can I say it too? Is it okay? Is it just because I'm sure you have some sense of what the word means, or at least the cultural weight that the word has. And I just, I prefer not to use it around uh, certain people, but sometimes I just, it's just the way I talk, you know what I mean? So sometimes it comes out on the podcast. And so what I'm saying is just because you hear me say it doesn't mean that you should say it. Even if you're black, if you're not from the US, uh, if you say it naturally, then people might, you know, they might not look twice because you look like a black American, but I'd say if if you don't really know what that word means, if you didn't grow up in the U.S., just don't. There's no reason for you to use that word. All right. Any racial slur, not just ones for black people, but any anything that's. You know, derogatory in a racial way, you got to be really careful with that shit. I know that rappers make it seem cool, sound sexy and 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 fucking vogue and risque, you know fucking exotic and shit like that, but just don't. It's my recommendation to you because even in 2023, 
you can still get the shit slapped out of you for saying nigga to the wrong person. Just take my word on that one. All right, let's move on. This next tip, it says, do not take selfies at memorials honoring the dead. <laughs> uh, you might you might hear that and be like, who the fuck would do something like that? But I have actually heard recently of people that will go to like the the, the World Trade Center Memorial. 9-11 is actually coming up pretty soon. And I'm sure you have some idea of 9-11 when the planes were flown directly into the Twin Towers in New York City. Countless people died. It was just a horrific, horrific, horrific day. And um, I guess they built some kind of memorial where the towers used to be. And maybe there were people taking like selfies, looking like they were happy and excited to be there. And just to people, it doesn't look great if you're smiling and happy standing in front of a memorial honoring people that died in some kind of terrorist attack it just it rubs people the wrong way especially people from new york city do not if i were you i wouldn't even mention 9-11 to somebody from new york city don't joke about it if you can avoid there's no reason to bring it up unless you're just curious and you want to know something from their perspective maybe i don't know but it's just it's a touchy topic man it's a sensitive one it was fuck. It was two thousand one. It was twenty two years ago, and even still, it's a, it's a touchy topic for some people. So if you can, just avoid it. I've also heard about people going to like Auschwitz and taking selfies and shit like that for Instagram. And look where I'm at. This is where they used to torture the Jews, and like t- Instagramming that shit. And a lot of people just don't take it very. They don't take it very well. So this person saying, don't take selfies in front of like grave sites and and memorials honoring dead people. Why somebody would do something like that? I don't know. Um, I'm not judging. I'm just saying for your safety. uh, Just uh, just avoid it. All right. Not saying that you're going to get attacked if you do it, but you're probably going to look like a fucking douche. You know, you're going to look like a dick or a cunt doing shit like that. All right. All right. Let's move on. Never, they put in capital letters, never pass an unloading school bus. I have to agree with this one. Let me read the the caption. It says, when those stop signs flap out, you've got to wait until those little crotch goblins. (laughs) Crotch goblins. You got to wait until those little crotch goblins get off the bus until you even think of moving again. Whether it's hitting a pedestrian child, getting a nasty ticket, or just the absolute looks of disgust you'll get, it won't be worth it. So just in case that's not clear to you, what this person's referring to is school buses in the United States. I'm sure you've seen in movies or TV series, maybe those big yellow school buses. They look like fucking Twinkies. Um, what happens is when they're driving through the neighborhood, dropping off the kids or picking up the kids, doesn't matter. There's different points at which they stop and pick up those kids. So whenever a a yellow school bus stops in the middle of the street to pick up kids, what happens is there's a stop sign on the side of the bus that will extend so that it's visible to everyone. When it's driving normally, you don't see it unless you're looking at the bus from the side. But when it stops to pick up kids, that stop sign flaps outward so that you can see it. And there, I think there's a yellow lights flashing and stuff like that to call your attention. And you you are required by law to stop the car and let whoever's getting on or off the bus get on or off the bus or let them cross the street. You cannot move again 
until the stop sign retracts and you can't see it anymore. And then the bus proceeds and then you can proceed. Do not move your car or your bike until the stop sign has been retracted. Okay, just don't do it. Like it, like they said here in the caption, you run the risk of hitting a fucking kid or an adult, anybody crossing the street that you just can't see coming from behind the bus or some shit like that. And you can definitely get a ticket for this kind of thing. And even if you don't, like the person said in this caption, you'll just be looked at socially like a fucking asshole. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You could have hit a kid trying to cross the street because it has happened. It has happened. So never pass an unloading school bus. It's funny that they don't say never pass an unloading bus. Just don't hit the kids, apparently. If it's a city bus and you got somewhere to be, fuck it. Run the risk. If they get run over, fuck them, right? So, yeah, just don't pass unloading school buses. Just don't. Just don't. Really, what you should understand, not just school buses, but generally speaking, in the United States, the pedestrian has the right of way, meaning they get priority. If it's between a car and a pedestrian, generally speaking, the pedestrian gets precedence. Obviously, if they're jaywalking, which basically means crossing the street at a point that is not intended for crossing, um, they you might not be at fault if you hit that person because maybe they just run out into the road, uh, impeding traffic. You don't have time to stop and you hit them. That's not necessarily your fault, although I don't know what would happen in court. I'm just saying, generally speaking, if somebody's crossing the road, you should probably wait for them. I know in other countries, pedestrians, they don't have, they don't take precedence. You're basically running a huge risk if you cross when it's not time to cross. And if you get hit, it's your fucking fault. I'm in a 900 pound death machine and you have on Nikes. I think I'm going to win. So you might want to wait. Right. But in the U.S., just uh, respect the pedestrians. You know, if they're crossing, let them cross. Even if they're jaywalking and just ran out into the middle of the street like a fucking asshole. Just let them cross. All right. It's not worth it. All right. Moving on. Um, If you're. If you're driving, oh, this one's super important, man. If you're driving and you get pulled over, meaning you get stopped by the police, do not, they write in capital letters, do not get out of the car. I would have to agree 1,000% on this one. Unless they ask you to exit the vehicle, do not exit the vehicle. If you want plenty of examples, just go to YouTube and type in police body cam footage or police traffic stops gone wrong or angry driver versus police, anything like that. There are hundreds of hours of footage of people thinking that they can do whatever they want when a cop stops them. They can get out the car, walk around, run away, all types of shit. Um, It just doesn't end well, dude. It doesn't end well. Don't get out the car. Roll down your window. Um, Have your license and your car registration ready because they're going to ask for it. And just follow instructions. Generally speaking, you should know your rights, obviously, but just follow instructions. Do not escalate the situation because once you choose to escalate it, it generally ends well. It generally does not end well. I meant to say it rarely ends well. That's just... uh, my advice to you, okay? Keep your hands visible, all right? Don't Just don't do anything to make them nervous. Just don't, all right? And I will say this, the cops in the United States get a lot of shit, but the reality is, like, cops put up with a lot of shit, man. I mean, you gotta think, this is a person who's literally getting paid to deal with people all day, 
people that are lying to them, running from them, breaking laws, hiding drugs, hiding weapons and shit like that. Not to say that everybody who gets stopped is a criminal. It's just as a cop, you don't know if this person's a criminal or not. So you're immediately on edge. This person could have guns in the car. They could be high on methamphetamine. They could be wanted for murder. Anything, anything. And you just don't know what mental state this person's in. And you're approaching them because they've done something wrong and you have to punish them for it. They're not happy to see you, right? And you have the social stigma because there are so many videos on the internet of cops abusing people, uh, targeting people racially and shit like that. And so cops just have a bad reputation. But generally speaking, man, cops put up with a lot of shit. I don't think that gets acknowledged enough. Of course, there are bad cops out there, corrupt cops, racist cops, whatever. But there's a lot of fucking good cops out there, too, man. So um, and generally speaking, if you're cool with them, they'll be cool with you. Generally speaking. No matter what you hear on the internet. Um, anyway, yeah, if they if they stop you, don't get out of the fucking car. Keep your hands visible. Don't make any sudden movements. Shit like that. Use common sense. All right? Use common sense. Moving on to the next tip for dealing with cops. It says, do not think that it's acceptable to bribe someone in authority. They say it's not even a joking matter in the U.S. I grew up in a country where it was an unwritten rule that these things could be negotiated and there will and there were telltale signs to know whether the authority was open to it. So I guess this person who wrote this is not from the U.S. And they're saying in in their country, it was an unwritten rule. It was just understood socially that you could negotiate with the cops, maybe give them a few dollars here, a few dollars there, and they'll just let you go. And you could like just tell by their behavior or how they were talking to you whether or not they would be open to a bribe. Now, maybe you don't know what that is based on everything I've just said. So let me give you the dictionary definition of bribe. Dishonestly persuade someone to act in one's favor by a gift of money or other inducement. Basically, um, rewarding somebody in an effort to persuade them to do something that they probably shouldn't be doing. So in this case, if you're driving drunk, which you should never, ever, 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 ever do in the United States. We're about to get to that next. But just an example. If you're driving drunk and you get stopped by the police and they can see you're drunk, you can't just pay them some money and they're going to let you go home that night. You are going to fucking jail. You're going to jail every time. Okay. Every fucking time. Don't do it. Just don't fucking do it. You cannot bribe the police. You can bribe politicians. You cannot bribe police in the U.S. Okay, moving on. The next one, don't drink and drive. Like I just said, it is not acceptable at all. At all. If they if they find out you're drunk, you are going to spend the night in jail. Maybe if it's Friday, you're spending the weekend in jail, most likely. Until you can be seen by the judge on Monday. Just don't fucking do it. They're going to take your license. Then you're going to have to go to fucking driver's school. Like a good little boy. And prove that you've learned your lesson. And you know that you shouldn't. Just don't do it bro. A DUI. Meaning driving under the influence. If that gets put on your record. It just doesn't look good man. You are seen as the ultimately irresponsible individual. Just doesn't look good. If you got a DUI on your record, all right, so don't drink and drive. If you smoke weed, don't even smoke and drive, all right? Because generally where weed is legal in the U.S., it's treated 
similarly to alcohol. You can't just get fucking blazed, smoke four blunts, and then just drive down the fucking highway like it's cool. You're still driving under the influence of a mind-altering substance. So just don't, just don't. They even had a slogan. They had like marketing campaigns against drinking and driving, and they had a little slogan. They said, drive sober or get pulled over. Sober is like under no influence of mind-altering substances. You're not drunk. You're not high, blah, blah, blah. You're just just stone cold. Um, so yeah, they would say drive sober or get pulled over. Meaning if you drink and drive, we're going to fucking pull you over, pull you out of your fucking car, beat you with this fucking baton like you stole something from my mother. Beat the shit out of you and take your punk ass to jail. Don't drink and drive, bitch. They didn't say all that. I'm just paraphrasing. But yeah, just don't don't drink and drive, man. Don't do it. Let's move. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems. Problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Come how are we doing on time? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're at the hour mark. I don't know if I'm going to cut this into two parts because we still have quite a bit to get through. But um, if the podcast cuts off at this point, just know that there will be a part two. All right. So let's move on. The next thing you should never do in the United States of America. This one is it's not saying what you shouldn't do, but this person said saying something like I heard Americans like or dislike blah 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 is almost always going to be met with resentment because there's 330 million of us so you can't generalize I think that's true for every group of people not just Americans though we generalize because we're lazy and it's easier to do that mentally you know and you feel like you know what you're talking about. Oh, you Americans, do you Americans love your guns? Are you Americans are always shooting up public places? You're fucking crazy. You Americans are racist. You Americans are greedy. You Americans are all capitalists destroying the world. You Americans don't know anything about what happens outside of your country. You Americans don't speak any, any other language than English. You fucking Americans. Right? Obviously, if you say that, you might um, cause some debates, some arguments. You might leave a bad impression on somebody because obviously you shouldn't generalize about any group of people. But we do it understandably because it's just easier for the mind to make general statements because then you don't have to be specific with your speech. You don't have to explain yourself or prove that you know what you're talking about or make a valid point. You can just make blanket statements and it sounds like you know what you're talking about and you feel good about it when you say it right? But obviously, we're all individuals. We all see things in very different ways. It's a very multicultural country. 
with people of all ethnicities, shapes, sizes, colors, you know, and we all have our own perspectives. Two people raised on the same street could have been raised in completely different ways. And that's true for every country, for every culture. So um, this one is true for everybody, not just in the U.S. Just be careful making general statements, because what I find is that when I hear people making general statements about the U.S., it's because they generally don't know anything about the U.S., but they want to talk like they know something, you know? People who have the most generalistic ideas about Americans have never even met fucking Americans, or they met one or two and they had a bad experience. And then they just say all Americans are like that. All black people are like that. All women are like that. All fucking insert category here are like that. You know? That's why I got to talk to different people, man. Um, and, resi- and just like resist the urge to come to a conclusion when you cl- you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know? Anyway, I'm not going to, I'm not here to lecture on that one. That one's like fucking obvious. I don't even know why I included that one, but I guess really I, maybe why I included that one is just to like reinforce the point that just because you know a couple of Americans or you consume a bit of American media doesn't mean that you understand the United States of America, right? Everything is multidimensional and the, the, the range of perspectives and ways of talking and ways of living and, and all that type of stuff varies greatly. Because again, we're just 330 million of us. There's 50 states. It's such a big country. So things are different from city to city, state to state, region to region, coast to coast. And so I think um, getting exposed to many different kinds of Americans, talking to many different kinds of Americans can give you a much better perspective, a much more clear perspective on American people. And even still, all of our perspectives are distorted because we're very, uh, we're just limited in that way. We can't see everything from all perspectives and because we can't live life from everybody else's position. You get what I'm trying to say, right? Right? <laughs> all right, let's move on. Um, pointing is very rude. Do not point at people. Okay, this person leaves a little story. I'm going to read it now. My one friend from Thailand would always point to people when speaking about them. It was just very uncomfortable, and I didn't realize it was part of the social structure here until she was doing it everywhere. Don't point at complete strangers and talk about them. You may end up starting a fight. (laughs) That's actually true, depending on where you are. Um, Yeah, pointing at people in the U.S. generally is considered a very rude thing. And like this person said... You, depending on where you are in the situation, you could start a fight or at least a problem, you know? So what the fuck you pointing at? You pointing at me? You got a problem? You got a problem, nigga? Yeah, just don't, don't point at people. If you need to, like, specify somebody across the room, you know, do a little quick nodding motion or just say, do you see that person over there? And then mention what they're wearing or what they look like or something like that. Don't point. It's just seen as rude. All right? Um. And so this person actually, they wrote more. It says, don't point at complete strangers and talk about them. You may end up starting a fight. The American South, while known probably for being the most racist, is very, very big into politeness and manners. All right, I got to say two things about that. First of all, it is true, generally speaking, people in the South of the United States or the Southern 
United States are very polite and respectful people, generally speaking. And I do agree with what this person is saying. They have a reputation for being the most racist. That's where all the viral TikTok and YouTube videos come from about racist people, the racist white people, the conservatives who voted for Donald Trump and he's going to drain the swamp, y'all. All right, get your shotguns and your motherfucking motherfucker. I don't know. I don't know what what they I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's like the stereotypical racist Southern person that you'll see online. Don't let media distort your perception because the majority of people in the South are not like that, bro. Black, white, brown, yellow. It doesn't fuck red. It doesn't matter, bro. People of all colors in the South are generally respectful of other people. You respect me. I respect you. You fucking mind your business and I'll mind mine. Generally speaking, that's Southern people. And they care a lot about having good manners treating people with respect, saying please and thank you, yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir, shit like that, is uh, still very prevalent in the South of the United States. And um, I just think that whole thing about the South being known for being racist is fucking bullshit, dude. It's bullshit. I'm really tired of hearing that shit because you'll find more racism in fucking Boston, Massachusetts than you'll find. I can't say that confidently. I've never been to Boston. Just from what I've heard about people who have been to Boston, people I've met from Boston, you'll probably experience more racism there today than you'll experience in Atlanta, Georgia or Jackson, Mississippi. You know what I mean? That's a general statement and there's nothing to back it. So that's just my perspective. Don't take that as the truth. What I'm trying to emphasize is like the South is not the most racist place in the country. If you ask me, um, you'll probably experience more racism out, out West. It's just like they try to, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to get into that. That's not the point of this episode. I'm just saying like that whole thing about the South being the most racist. That's fucking bullshit, dude. It's fucking bullshit. So let me continue reading this. Generally do things like hold the door open for other people. Uh, a cashier may ask you, hi, how are you? Just answer good. How are you? Or I'm okay. How are you? But whatever you answer, remember to return the question. Always say please and thank you. If you make eye contact with a stranger, give them a smile and a nod. I don't agree with that. Unless they say hi, then say hi back. I also tend to end conversations with people by saying have a good one. If meeting somebody when shaking hands, let the person who initiated the handshake introduce themselves first. I don't know where this person is from. I don't agree with that. Like if you make eye contact, you have to smile at somebody and nod your head. If you want to, I mean, it's seen as you're going to be seen as friendly and polite, but you don't have to fucking do that. You're not obligated to smile at people if you don't want to. You know, I do think if you make eye contact with somebody, it is nice. It's polite to acknowledge them. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? Something like that. Just acknowledge their existence and the fact that you looked at each other. I do. I do that. You know, but I don't feel an obligation to smile at people and not, hey, how you doing? It's a good day, Ray. Have a good day. I don't do that shit. Just, hey, what's up? How you doing? Good afternoon. Something like that. I do agree with that part. And so then this person says, Americans tend to be very friendly and will strike up conversations with people. So don't be afraid to chat. Just don't bring up politics. I'd agree with that last part. Don't just don't fucking don't get into political shit with people, man. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Jesus Christ, it's not worth it. All right. But yeah, this I mean, that's relatively true. The The thing about like Americans being super friendly and polite, polite, yes, but like just. The image that you probably see in TV shows and online 
is a very specific type of American. Again, you have to be very mindful of how much media you're consuming and where it's coming from and how that affects your perception of people because that is not all of American people. But generally speaking, yeah, it's normal, let's say, to make small talk with strangers. If you're on the bus or you're waiting in line or you're passing on the street or something like that, it's it's normal for somebody to make some small talk and um, and strike up a conversation. That is normal. So don't think that it's a rare thing because a lot of people might do it. And they're just, you know, being friendly, making conversation. All right. So there you go. The whole point of that one was pointing was rude, but this person wrote all this other stuff. Maybe that uh, maybe you learned something there. All right. But let's move on. It says Americans are are about personal bubbles. Americans are about personal. What they're saying is Americans really value their personal space. And you might hear somebody's personal space referred to as their bubble. Think of a bubble, or you know, enveloping a person and their personal space is their bubble. You get the idea. So it says, if you are a stranger, keep an arm's distance when conversing with an American. If you are familiar with them, keep an elbow's distance. Jesus Christ. And lastly, unless you are extremely familiar with them, do not touch except for a handshake. I'd actually say that's pretty accurate. I don't know about like measuring arm distance and elbow distance, but when I think about it, I'd say that's actually true. If I don't know the person very well, I'm not going to stand too close to them. I'm going to give them their space. I don't know them like that. We don't have that familiarity, that connection, that trust, that confidence, right? So I'm going to give them their space. If I do know them, then I don't care how close. I'm not really thinking about how close I stand. In fact, the closer you stand to somebody, generally that communicates how close you feel to that person and how close they feel to you you know the closer you are the closer you stand physically generally speaking i'd have to agree with that um and it says unless you're extremely familiar do not touch them unless you're shaking their hand now this one's hard to generalize but generally speaking i would say that one's pretty accurate don't touch people you don't know all right there are cases when that's not necessarily true, but that's like some that's some higher level social skills, cultural understanding that we'd have to get into. Generally speaking, don't touch people you don't know. But again, it's not it's not all people, because in my own experience, there have been times when people I don't know very well touch me in a very endearing way or I touch them just naturally. And it's not a big deal. Like not everybody's going to get all fucking squirmish about it and all uncomfortable and shit. But a lot of people, yeah, it's like, don't, what the fuck? Don't touch. I don't know you, bro. I don't know where the fuck your hands have been. Which is still true for people you know. You don't know where their hands have been. But for some reason, if you know them, who gives a fuck where your hands, isn't that funny? Like, you don't know where your girlfriend's lips have been, but just because she's your girlfriend, it's fine. But some strange woman on the street tries to kiss you. Get the fuck away from me. I don't know know where the fuck your lips have been, you know? So proximity matters, folks. (laughs) That's the moral of the story. Americans really care about their personal space. Don't get too close. Don't be afraid to get close and be like measuring the distance between y'all. But just be aware of the fact that most Americans value their personal space. And if you enter their personal space, they might have a problem with it. All right. All right. Moving on. Don't. Oh, this is the, a continuation. This a different person says, "Don't touch people you don't personally know. Handshakes are just fine, but do not hug or kiss, and be careful of your limbs when on a crowded bus or train." I guess it means like don't 
bump people with your elbows and shit like that. Try to give people space. Um, and then this person says, don't assume we like to hug all the time. That's definitely not true for all of them. I like hugging. I have no problem. I'm a hugger. Um, so if you want to hug, fucking go for it. Uh, just know that a lot of Americans might not be comfortable with that. So they, they do have a point. Don't assume that we like to hug all the time. Do so only if you know the person well or you know the person is okay with it. I'd say that's solid advice. If you see us take a lean back or step back, it's a hint or a clue or an indication that you're a bit too close. Distance around, oh Jesus Christ, they say distance around 0.75 to 1 meters is pretty decent if you're in a line or a queue. I, I don't know if I can agree with that one. Um, and of course, if someone says something about your distance, I recommend you step back or you're going to get dinged as a creep. What they mean is you're going to get labeled as a creep, a creepy, a strange person, a strange individual that cannot be trusted and you make people uncomfortable. That's a creep. Um, I would say this one kind of it depends, man, because I will say I've I've witnessed I've even asked people personally, can you like give me some fucking space, dog? Can you back up a little bit? You're a little close, bro. You know what I'm saying? Give me give me some fucking give me some elbow room. You know what I mean? Give me 40 feet in an ounce of space, cuz. Yeah, I've definitely asked people to back up a little bit because they were too close. Like standing in line. Some people like, I don't know, they want to just, they they just have to know what your ass feels like. So they stand so close that your ass, I, you get, I'm not, you can envision what I'm about to say, right? It's like, yo, back the fuck up, dog. What is this? So yeah, personal space is important. Um, if you're standing in line, give people space. If you're talking to people, give them a bit of space. Don't assume that you can just be all up on their fucking bumper, man. You know, it's kind of seen as not only like, like creepy, but like disrespectful. Like everybody has a right to their own space. So if you can help it, don't enter people's space without some type of invitation. Just a general rule. You do what you want. You know, if you're charismatic and you got it like that, then don't listen to anything I'm saying. But generally speaking, just respect people's personal space. And then the next tip following this one, they said, respect people's personal space. Don't touch people if you don't know them well. And that goes double for braids, dreadlocks and spikes. So when they say that goes double for blah, 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 they're saying take the level of seriousness that I'm at right now and double it. So they said. Don't touch people unless you know them. And that's double true, extra true for touching people's hair, touching people's braids, their dreadlocks, touching people's spikes like their earrings or piercings and shit like that, rubbing on their tattoos or their skin. Do not do this shit in the United States of America. All right. I guess that's normal in some places. You can just put your hands on strangers, especially like this one makes me think particularly of black people in and outside of the United States, like even when black people travel to a place where there's not many black people, or maybe they, these people, these local people have never seen a black person before in front of them. And they see the dreadlocks, they see the braids, they see the curly hair, they see the afros and they're like, oh, I just got to touch it. For some fucking reason, people just have to touch it. I wonder what it feels like. You know, I've even read stories of black people that have traveled to the other side of the world where there's really no black people and like little kids will want to touch their skin to see if the brown comes off of their skin. You know, 
And of course, like a lot of people will be offended by that. I understand, generally speaking, it's just curiosity, especially if it's kids. It's just curiosity. But adults, too, if you've never touched African hair, you're curious. I want to know what it feels like. I've always seen it. It's so different. I want to know what it feels like. But just just fucking don't, man. Don't do it. Don't even ask, okay? Because a common question is, can, can I feel your hair? Can I touch it? It's like, I don't know, dog. Can I feel yours? What the fuck? It's just a weird thing, man. I can't speak for all people, but generally speaking, black people, don't ask them if you can touch their fucking hair. All right? They're, and I'm not saying that this is the way people view them, but from the black perspective, for a lot of people, they, they're going to feel as if you're treating them like exotic animals and not like people because you don't ask anybody else to feel their fucking hair. And if you approach somebody and just start running your fingers through somebody's hair, bro. Nah, man. You're just crossing the line. You, you've not only entered their personal space, but you are now touching their most sacred possession, their own bodies. You know what I mean? Don't. It's a violation, dog. <laughs> it's a fucking violation. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Especially if it's a man. You might get the shit slapped out of you. Just don't do it, dude. Don't fucking do it. If you're really close to the person and y'all have that confidence, you have a, a, a secure relationship and you feel that level of, of intimacy with that person, then go for it. You know, it's like I know and you can even say something like, I know that this is controversial. I know I don't want you to take this the wrong way. I know I shouldn't ask this, um, but I'm just really curious to know what your hair feels like. I've never felt African hair before. You know, so I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but would you mind if I touched it? I'm just curious to know what it feels like. Even that might not be received well, but if somebody said it like that to me, I would have, you know, depending on our relationship, go for it. You know, I understand. I like I'm much more understanding than the average person, I think, or I like to think. So if we have that level of confidence and I know you're genuinely, genuinely just curious, like, okay, touch it, man. Yeah. But if I don't know you, you just no, bro. No, I'm sure you get the point. I'm not trying to give you like a fucking lecture here, but just that one's really important, dude. Do not touch people you don't know. And because that's considered an intimate way of touching somebody running your fingers through their hair, dude. I know that's normal in other places, but we don't we're not really touchy like that. You know. We're just. We're not. All right, let me move on. Let me move on. I'm probably going to be repetitive at this point. So next piece on the list, next piece of advice, things you shouldn't do in the U.S., uh, we Americans love foreigners and we will pepper you with questions. Isn't it funny how they said a minute ago, like, don't generalize and say Americans like this and like that. And then the same person is saying, we Americans love this thing. It's kind of hypocritical, isn't it? Uh, they say, we will ask about your language, your culture. And almost really intrusive questions. Some people might even try to relate to you on some level because we Americans are taught that the United States is a melting pot, meaning many different ethnicities and cultures mixed together. The United States is a melting pot and we all have distant relatives in other countries. For the Irish, the English, the Scottish and German, do not be shocked or offended if an American says, oh, I'm Scottish too, or oh, I'm Irish too, or oh, I'm German too. I'd have to agree with that one um, for many reasons, which I'll probably get into in, in future episodes. The Americans, generally speaking, we are pretty unaware 
of anything that happens outside the U.S. There many of us are not, but a lot of Americans are completely oblivious to anything about what happens outside the U.S. or what happened in the past, stuff like that, um, because we're just like brainwashed into the American mania, American media from a very young age. So that's all some people know is the USA. That's it. So when they come across a foreigner, the same way when Americans go overseas, people have perceptions of Americans or they've heard stuff or maybe they've never met one and they have questions that could be misinterpreted when they're really just curious. And so what this person I believe is saying is you might meet an American who will ask some very ignorant questions that to you it's like, how the fuck could you think that or say that? Just understand a lot of times it's not malicious. They really just don't know. I, as an American overseas, get asked questions that could be interpreted as fucking ridiculous, but I know it's from a place of curiosity, or they probably saw something online that made them think that way or whatever, so, you know, you can't take it too personally, you can't take it seriously, but don't be surprised if somebody asks you, you know, you're from Brazil, and they say, oh, you guys speak Spanish, right? Like, don't, you know, don't take that shit personally. They really just don't know. They just don't know. So take the time to educate them, my friend. Anyway, and also don't feel obligated that you have to be like some cultural ambassador. You're an individual. I guess what this person is saying is just get ready for strange questions because you might get them. Or somebody's like, you know, you're from Ireland or Vietnam or fucking Tanzania. I don't know. And they say, oh, my my pe- my ancestors are from there, too. Like to impress you and try to relate to you and shit. And you probably won't give a fuck. It's like, OK, dude, I don't I don't give a shit. They, you know, they're just trying to relate to you in some kind of way. That's, uh, I guess that's the takeaway. All right, let's move on. Um, I like this. It's public spitting isn't usually well received. I like this one. And it's very true. I don't know what it's like in your country, but spitting, taking the saliva in your mouth and spitting in the street and shit like that, it's seen as disgusting. It's very off-putting to a lot of people. You will see it, especially from guys. It's very rare you see a woman spitting in the streets. It's like, geez, because it's, it's a nasty thing to do, generally speaking. I was, I've been watching a lot of Spanish series lately and, um, in the series Vis a Vis, which I recommend, it's a good, I like that series on Netflix. Uh, I noticed that when, I don't know if this is all Spanish people, but I noticed in the series that is Spanish, the people, whenever they were disgusted with somebody's behavior or they wanted to demonstrate that they had zero respect for this person, they would like spit on the floor. La vergüenza de la familia eres. You know, but we don't do that shit here in the U.S., dog. Spitting usually, like it says here, isn't well received. It's it's kind of seen as disgusting and low class and just barbaric. But you will see people spit, especially like smokers or people that use chewing tobacco and shit like that. You'll see it at football games, baseball games, people eating sunflower seeds. They'll just spit them on the ground. Shit like that you will see. But generally speaking, it's not uh, socially acceptable. All right. All right, moving on. Do not stare at women. Oh, man, I've got a lot to say about this one. Do not stare at women. And to stare at somebody means to look at them for an extended period of time without breaking your gaze. You don't look anywhere else. You're just looking at them constantly without looking away. That's what it means to stare at something or someone. And so this person says uh, they don't get the foreign flirting codes and they will get very uncomfortable or freak out and call the police. That's not true. If you are interested, go and talk to her, but don't look like a stalker. This, man, let me just read this whole thing before I comment on this. 
Another person commented the same thing in a different blog post. It says, staring at a woman, making women uncomfortable with staring, gawking, and flirting can invite the police. If you are interested, approaching them kindly and with courtesy is the key. If a woman is inviting you over, take it as a friendly invitation. Do not get misled with such requests by a female. Another person says, if you're a man, don't walk up to a woman and start talking to her unless she is in a group. It's fucking ridiculous. It says, or if you're in a bar or a club or another place, that kind of thing is, ex- oh, another place where that kind of thing is expected. Another person says, speaking as a woman who did customer service, American culture is already polite, politely friendly. <laughs> American culture is already politely friendly by default. And in customer service, we are expected to remain exceptionally so. So what she's saying is American culture is already relatively polite. And if you work in customer service, you are expected to be exceptionally polite and kind and friendly. So this, and getting back to what she's saying, this does not mean we are into you or interested in you. And if you ask us when we get off work, meaning what time do we finish working, we will probably lie. If you ask us for our phone number, I'll get I'll get you the company customer service support line. <laughs> okay, just in case you didn't understand that, she's saying um, don't misinterpret women's kindness or friendliness, especially if they're working in customer service at a bar, a restaurant, a hotel, something like that. It does not mean they are interested in you. And if you ask them what time they get off work, basically because you want to take them on a date or something, they're probably going to lie to you. If you ask for their phone number, they're probably going to give you the number to the company or some fucking business down the street. They're not going to give you their real phone number. Now, I will say, actually, hold up. I didn't finish reading. Some Another person says, a woman being cordial or polite to you is not, in capital letters, not an invitation for anything. They wrote that in capital letters, so I guess they're yelling. I gave you directions and maybe even a restaurant recommendation because I am a nice person who wants you to enjoy your trip, not because I'm attracted to you. If you mistake my friendliness as an invitation and corner me in the subway car trying to talk to me, no, trying to talk me into meeting you at a hotel later, well, refer to the advice that many Americans may be armed. Jesus Christ. What what this person is saying is remember that a lot of Americans carry guns, so don't fucking try it. All right, now that I've read all this, they're basically I read the same idea multiple times cuz again, I read a bunch of different blog posts and this one in particular was listed again and again and again. And I got to say, man, I think this is fucking bullshit. Obviously, you shouldn't be making anybody uncomfortable. Not just women, but anybody. And the idea that you shouldn't look at or talk to or approach women is fucking retarded, if you ask me. Because at the end of the day, bro, women are fine with it as long as they're attracted to you. Approaching women and asking them for their number and trying to be enchanting and flirt with them, it's only seen as weird and unacceptable if she's not attracted to you. Then it's creepy. Then you shouldn't do it. Then it's unacceptable and misogynistic. But if she's interested in you, bro, there's no problem with this. So I think there's a bit of a inconsistency in this this bit of advice because it's totally fine under the right circumstances. And as a man, you have no way of knowing if she's interested until you go talk to her. So obviously you shouldn't just be staring at people, whether it's a man, a woman or a fucking child. 
That in the U.S. is seen as rude. It makes people uncomfortable. Why the fuck are you staring at me? You got a problem? That's generally how people react. But the idea that you shouldn't talk to or approach women you don't know is fucking bullshit. I'm not gonna... I can't agree with that piece of advice, man. Like, it's what are you supposed to do? Just not talk to women? Period. And then that would be a problem. I mean, you can go online and see so many videos of actual women complaining. Like, men don't approach women anymore. Men are scared of women. It's because all you see online is like feminist propaganda and the same idea again and again and again of people saying, stop approaching women. Men, men are so fucking creepy. Men shouldn't be. A pr- stop talking to women you don't know. Stop approaching women. We are tired of getting approached in the gym and approached at the movies and approached at the mall. Like, I get it. There are creepy, weird dudes making women uncomfortable. But generally speaking, um, not just the human species, but the man typically approaches the woman. And convinces that woman to reproduce with him specifically. So obviously you should have some social skills and you shouldn't be making people uncomfortable, invading their personal space, violating them physically or anything like that. That's obvious, whether it's a man or a woman. But don't listen to these fucking people saying that you can't approach a woman you're interested in. It is your responsibility to do so because she's not going to approach you, bro. When's the last time you were approached by a beautiful woman that wanted to take you on a date or have sex with you? So fuck that, bro, because it's okay when they're attracted to you. It's not okay if they're not attracted. And the only way you're going to know that is if you approach. So obviously show respect. Show respect. Don't be a fucking dick. But don't think that you can't talk to American women because whether she's a feminist or not, the reality is that a lot of the shit that you see online is only one part of the female population in the U.S. Not all women think one way, and not all men think one way. And the only way you're going to figure out how that person thinks is if you walk up to them and start a conversation. So do your fucking thing, man. Don't let don't let the fucking propaganda stop you. All right? Again, don't be a dick, but don't be afraid to go after what you want, man. That's my two cents on the matter. All right, so let's move on. Um, don't make jokes, comments, or, or throw opinions on sex, race, religion, fat people, gay people, class groups, United States wars, communisms, or their polit, communisms, communism, or their politics. Jesus. Talking about healthy eating and exercise habits with a mixed group is like talking about politics or religion. Excuse me. Someone is bound to get offended. Save it for people that you know very well. You know what? Generally speaking, I would have to agree with this advice because now more than ever, people are so fucking sensitive that you can't say shit without somebody getting offended. You can't even make a joke. I was like, what did you mean by that? You fucking racist, sexist, homophobic piece of shit. Everybody's so fucking sensitive these days, dude. Jesus fucking Christ. So although I don't um I don't really respect it, I will agree with the piece of advice that you should probably avoid jokes about gender or race or religion or fat people or gay people or social class or anything related to a war that the US is involved in, anything related to communism or, or, or politics. You should probably avoid those things if you don't know the person well because man in every country, not just the U.S., people get very volatile about those things. And, you know, it's like culturally normal now to get offended by every fucking thing. 
So if you just want to avoid stress and issues, just avoid making intentionally, uh, I, can, I can't even say it that way. Just avoid making comments and jokes about relatively controversial topics, unless you know the person very well. Now, if you just don't give a shit and you, you want to exercise your right to say whatever you want to say, then go for it. I'm not telling you what to say or not to say. But I do think it's a valid recommendation that you try to avoid certain topics like that because people get really fucking sensitive and it's just not going to end well, man. It's not going to end well, which is unfortunate that you really like, I mean, that we even have people recommending that you avoid talking about certain things because what the fuck, dog? That's what you do with children. You avoid talking to cer- about certain things with children because they don't have the mental capacity to process all of it, and really comprehend what it is you're saying, see things from different perspectives, they're not educated enough. But as adults, as fucking adults, if you're incapable of hearing something you disagree with, or you're incapable of understanding that somebody made a joke about a group of people that you identify with, like you're just an old-ass child, if you ask me. It's fucking ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, and everybody's scared, right? Everybody's so fucking scared to say what it is they really think because they don't want to get canceled. They don't want to get labeled as homophobic or racist or transphobic or fucking what fatphobic or whatever. It's fucking stupid. Everybody's so scared to say what they fucking think, even though we all know what we're fucking thinking. So say what you want. My recommendation is say whatever the fuck you want. Just understand you might find yourself in some complicated situations, some arguments. You might offend people, rub people the wrong way if you make jokes about those topics I just mentioned. And so then I found on a different blog post, this person says you should never mention size. And they say in your country, fat people might be shunned and obesity is widely accepted as a health problem. In America, there's an odd duality of one, love your image and two, skinny is good. <laughs> That's so fucking true, bro. Isn't that ironic how like all over the world, unfortunately, because everybody's consuming American media, but definitely in the United States, there has been recently this push to like be accepting of fat people and fat people like we should have more fat models and fat actors and actresses. And you can't mention the fact that people are fat because that's hurtful and mean even though it's factual, you you can't, you know, you can't say it. You can't fucking do it. Don't mention people's fatness. You need to be accepting, right? Love your body. You're perfect the way you are, girl. 350 pounds. You don't need to lose any weight. You are perfect the way you are. 600 pounds, young man. Keep playing those video games and eating those Cheetos. Nothing wrong with that. You fat fuck. We love you. And at the same time, at the very same time, there is a push and like a constant demonstration or or what's the word I'm looking for? You will constantly see like bone fucking thin models, you know, 90 pounds, not a fucking gram of fat on their bodies on the cover of fucking magazines and actresses are paper thin, you know? You will see like this weird duality where it's like they're still choosing the skinniest possible people to be models and actresses in the faces of companies and in advertisements and shit. And at the same time, pushing this idea that like, um, we should love and accept and promote being fat as well. And that just goes, that just speaks to like the fucking, 
um, it just speaks to the absurd nature of human beings, not just Americans, but human beings, man. I'm not, I'm, I don't, uh, my, my thoughts on that one aren't organized enough for me to talk about it. So I'm just going to move on. I'll save that for another episode. Um, all right. Next piece of advice. Never interact with strange children. I actually, there's, I saw this on four different blogs, so I'm going to read it all and then make my comments. So never interact with strange children. And then they say people, no, it says don't pull the cheeks or hug or peck a child that is not yours. It's a big no-no, meaning it's something that you shouldn't do. It's a big no-no to shower affection on someone's child without their consent. And then they put in, in parentheses, it's quite common in Asian countries. And the person who wrote that is from India. The next person says, do not stare or talk to children. If they talk or want to play with you, ask them where are their parents. If you just want to be nice, make sure their parents are there and fully aware you are just kidding with them and not a pedophile. This per the person that wrote that is from Chile. The next one says, do not get too familiar with children you don't know. People here are paranoid of strangers and pedophiles and you could easily be looked at in a very, very bad light. And the person that wrote that is from the United States. All right, moving on. Um, do not play with people's kids. It's sad, we know, but playing with strangers' children is definitely not something you can do in the United States. Do not stare or talk to children. If they talk or want to play with you, ask them. Oh, I already read that. Okay, so the same comment was posted on two blog posts. Let me move on. It says, it's, da it's a dangerous world that we live in, so people are going to be extra careful about strangers being nice to their children. All right, another post says, do not take pictures or record videos of strangers' children. I've had to warn many people coming over from Asia about this, and some have ignored me, and it has led to screaming and threats. Finally, somebody else says, do not take pictures of people without their permission or stand next to them to get a picture without asking them. Okay, now my thoughts on all this shit. I would say, unfortunately, it is valid advice to not get too familiar with strangers' children. In the past, it was totally fine. Like, you know, you're standing in line at a grocery store and somebody's holding their baby, the baby's looking at you, you make fucking funny faces at them. Try to make them laugh and shit. It was totally normal. It was fine. It was a friendly thing to do. I fucking love kids, right? These days, because of lots of bad media stories and also stuff that people have experienced personally, a lot of people are just very paranoid. They're very afraid of strangers because anybody could be a, pre a predator, a fucking pedophile wanting to molest your fucking children. You know, there'd just be some fucking weirdos out there, man. There are lots of fucking weirdos out there, not just in the U.S., but everywhere. And so parents are on high alert these days because they've seen so many stories in the media, which distorts their perception. And now everybody's a threat. You have to be scared of everyone all the time, which is what they want, even though... There are valid reasons to be paranoid. I have to say that. So you got to take this one with a grain of salt. It really depends on the situation. I generally still talk to kids. I make jokes with them. I don't touch them, generally speaking, if I don't know them. But I think it's fine for me, at least. I joke with kids I don't know. I you know, try to make them laugh. If their parent is there, I always try to acknowledge their, their parent's presence. I look at their parents. I smile. Hey, how you doing? That kind of thing. It's, I think that's really the happy middle ground. If you see their parents standing there, don't ignore their parents and only talk to the child. 
it just is probably going to rub the parents the wrong way. And they're probably going to, their fucking alarm bells are going to start ringing. Who the fuck is this guy talking to my kids for? Who are you? You know? But if you acknowledge their presence, you look at them, you say, how you doing? You say hello or something like that. You're, you have clearly have a positive vibe and you're just making some small talk or a joke and then you keep it moving. There generally won't be a problem. But some parents are more paranoid than others. And definitely the whole taking pictures of kids thing, just avoid, just, just don't do it, man. Even if you're doing nothing wrong, you're a street photographer, you're a portrait artist, something like that, ask permission. Ask permission. You don't have to. It, you are, it, your, your right to photograph people in public is protected by the U.S. Constitution. But socially, people get kind of weird about it. Who the fuck is this guy taking pictures of my kids? Some fucking pedophile? What are you gonna, where are you going to put those pictures? Who the fuck are you, bro? You're not going to speak to me first? That's my kid. That's how a lot of people think, you know, so you really got to be careful taking pictures of people's kids, recording them in the streets, talking to them, playing with them. Just don't be surprised if some parents are paranoid or aggressive and really wanting to know who the fuck you are and why the fuck you're talking to their kids. Just don't be surprised. All right. You know, it's, uh, it's a touchy subject, you know, and I'm of the belief you don't fuck with kids, man. So. And a lot of other Americans think that way. You don't fuck with kids. All right. You got a problem. You deal with me. You don't fuck with kids. So just I, hopefully I've made the point. I don't want to get repetitive here, but just uh, be careful around kids that you don't know. All right. Let's move on. All right. This person says Americans are uncomfortable with silence. I think that's I'm so tired of that fucking narrative. A lot of Americans may be, but not all of them. So this person says, avoid silences. Americans have a weird obsession with keeping a conversation flowing. Silences longer than three seconds are considered weird and tend to freak them out. So if you are struggling with English or sorting out your thoughts, use filler words like yeah, so, uh, etc. And this person who said that is from Chile. Another person says, the uncomfortable zone builds up. Or accumulates with Americans when a conversation is followed by a long silence. They appreciate the effort taken to have a mindful and interesting conversation. A silence of more than three seconds could be weird. And if you're tending to have a problem with language, make use of filler. It's the same thing. Maybe I, maybe it's the same quote on two different sites, but that's the same thing. So somebody else says, small talk and chit chat with strangers is common. You don't really need to engage in it most of the time. But a little smile and a nod is all it takes. All right, let me give you my two cents on that one. I think that's bullshit, dude. There's nothing wrong with silence. And maybe I'm saying that because I'm an introvert, but there's nothing. You don't have to fill every fucking second with noise just to fill it with noise. If you don't have anything to say, don't fucking say anything. It's not your responsibility to make other people comfortable in your presence, you know? So it's like, if you don't want to talk, don't fucking talk. Now understand that might make some people uncomfortable. They might think, oh, this person has a problem. They don't like me, blah, blah, blah. But you don't have control over that. You don't have to force a conversation about the fucking weather or, or some stupid shit like that. If you don't want to, if you don't want to talk, you don't have to talk. You don't need to fill silence with, uh, yeah, so, and, um, you know, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. A lot of Americans might, but you don't have to. I think uh, that really depends on the person and your cultural background. 
because not everybody just is trying to force small talk and fill every moment of silence with words. A lot of us are totally fine with silence, man. We don't mind conversation. If you have something interesting to talk about, a lot of Americans are totally open to talking about it. But just talking for the sake of talking, you don't have to do that shit. I find it fucking annoying. You know, just trying people just trying to feel it's like, dude, why can't we just sit here and enjoy each other's presence? Right? Like in silence. We don't need to be talking all the time. But anyway, that take that one with a grain of salt. Depends on the person. Like like all of these. It depends on the person, right? All right, moving on. Um, one thing you should never do is smoke. It says smoking anywhere is what you shouldn't do. So let me read what they said. It's everyone's right to breathe clean air. And with Jesus and with this philosophy, many places in the United States have banned smoking. The workplaces and public places are witnessing a great initiative of being smoke free. Another website, somebody said, don't smoke cigarettes in the U.S. Cigarettes have become very taboo in the U.S., and people will look at you like you're trying to kill their baby if you smoke around them. What's funny is people don't seem to mind at all about marijuana smoking these days, but cigarettes are totally verboten. Don't you mean forbidden? Hold on, verboten? I don't know what that means. Verb. Hold on, let me put this on the recorder. Verboten. Verboten. I love how it's in a British accent. Verboten forbidden especially by an authority okay so what they're saying is uh let me go back to the where is oh cigarettes are totally forbidden if you do smoke make sure you find a place where you are allowed it will vary by state but there's usually a prescribed distance from entryways that you can smoke most hotels restaurants and indoor public spaces are smoke free in the u.s that is true um a lot of people do not like cigarette smokers a lot of people find it annoying they don't want to be around cigarette smoke a lot of places that you'll see signs posted no smoking here and and you definitely can't smoke inside unless it's a hotel designated for smokers they'll give you a room designated for people that smoke but you can't smoke in restaurants you can't smoke any like any public building inside do not light anything on fire period certainly not cigarettes um, and this person's saying what's funny is that a lot of people don't mind weed smoke. I also think that depends. A lot, I know a lot of people that hate weed smoke um, and a, other people don't mind it. I don't mind marijuana smoke, cigarette smoke, cigar smoke. I smoke. So obviously I don't mind the smell of smoke, but a lot of people do. And uh, a lot of people probably won't like you just because you smoke cigarettes. And you can be like fined in some cases if you're smoking in a non-smoking area. And so if you're in a public place or a business or something, ask people, where can I go to smoke or something like that, just to be safe. But if you're walking down the street, you can smoke cigarettes if you want. Nobody can stop you from doing that. It's not illegal. Um, A lot of people just don't like it. But shit, if you want to smoke, fucking smoke. Right? Uh, As far as weed, it depends on the state. It's legal in some states. It's not legal in others. And I believe they treat weed like they treat alcohol. I don't think you can just walk down the streets smoking weed. You have to be at home or something like that. The same way you can't drink alcohol walking down the street. Now, if you go to a place like California, like San Diego, for example, man, L.A. and shit, you will see people at public parks walking down the street smoking fat ass blunts 
and joints and shit like that. You will see it, but you probably shouldn't partake in that behavior, you know? Um, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. All right, let's move on. Showing the middle finger. It's the USA. Everything is cool here. If you are visiting with this mentality, you might get a, a setback. Pointing a middle finger at someone can get you killed in the United States. That's that's actually true. Um, while other gestures like putting a thumbs up or having your hands in your pocket or using a left hand are perfectly common. Oh, I see what they're saying. So, okay, putting your thumbs up to people in the United States is acceptable. Having your hands in your pocket is acceptable, though it might make some people nervous. Or using your left hand for things is perfectly common. I know that's not acceptable in some cultures, but in the U.S., we don't give a fuck. Left hand, right hand, do what you want. But showing, giving somebody the middle finger, flipping the bird, as they say, flipping someone the bird or flipping them the middle finger, giving somebody the middle finger, that basically what you're communicating, what that represents is fuck you. So if you show somebody your middle finger, you're saying fuck you, right? It's very disrespectful. And um, in extreme cases, you can get killed. You know, some people are just not all the way there mentally, you know, and if they got a weapon and they feel disrespected, what, fuck me? Say fuck me? Well, fuck you. Bah, 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 bah. And then fucking you're on the six o'clock news. Um, so yeah, just, you know, the middle finger, try to, unless you mean to say, fuck you, just don't show people your middle finger. All right. Moving on. This person, this one says, don't frown. Jesus Christ. Let me put, let me give you the definition of frown definition. To furrow one's brows in an expression indicating disapproval, displeasure, or concentration. A facial expression indicating dis, okay. Yeah. So that's what it means to, it's basically the opposite of smile. They're saying don't have an angry or disapproving look on your face. And so they say, while we don't agree that people should be able to tell complete strangers to smile, you will find that people will treat you much better in the U.S. if you smile. Generally speaking, that's true. Um, Sure, if you're having a bad day, then have a bit of a grump. (laughs) Have a bit of a grump. What they're saying is if you're having a bad day, then okay, you know, it's okay. It's understandable and okay if you're grumpy or cranky or irritable or just not in a good mood. But otherwise, try to make sure that you have a smile on your face. That's bullshit. I don't agree with that. Frowning is just one of those things that makes people immediately judge you before they've started talking to you, whether or not this is right or wrong. That I do agree with. Um, and that's really what this is why I disagree with it, because the advice to smile is not for you. It's so that other people don't find you threatening or alarming. Or they or other people don't think you're angry or this or that. Which I think is fucking bullshit. If you don't want to smile, don't smile. I don't walk. I mean, like, and again, I'm from the US and I know socially in lots of places you are received much better if you smile, if you are friendly and outgoing. But you don't have to be if you don't want to be. Like the way other people feel about you or treat you has nothing to do with you. So if that's not your natural way of being and you don't want to like force yourself to smile and be all friendly and hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. Oh my God. Thanks for coming. You don't have to be like that, dude. Just don't fucking force it. Okay. People can tell when you're forcing it. And although in certain parts of the country, it's socially normal to force it. In other places, people are just going to look at you like you're fucking fake. They're going to like you even less for forcing it. So if you want to be naturally friendly, then go for it. But you don't have to force that shit. And say like, you know, 
um, try to keep a smile on your face. Fuck that, dude. Fuck that. You don't have to fucking please other people and and pretend that you're happy just so that other people feel comfortable around you. If you're not, if you don't want to smile, don't fucking smile. You know? But it is important. And the reason I put it on the list, it is important to understand that in certain parts of the country, with certain people of certain cultural backgrounds, they really do value that type of stuff. And you almost certainly in all parts of the country will be received better if you are smiling or friendly or positive or outgoing. If you just have a not what they call a resting bitch face, which is like your natural face just looks like you're angry all the time. You might notice a difference in the way that people treat you because people are probably going to assume that you're mean or angry or unfriendly or not in a good mood and shit like that. Unfortunately, people do assume that. They judge you off of what you look like and the vibe that you give off instead of just talking to you. And that's true around the world, not just in the U.S., right? So it's just something to be aware of, although I don't agree with that cultural norm. All right. Moving on. Another one that I think is fucking ridiculous, but it's very valid. You should never insult the flag or just the U.S. in general or the military in the United States. Do not fucking do it. A lot of people in the U.S., as I'm sure you've heard, are quite patriotic. They take the flag very seriously. Now I'm reading a comment here. It says the people in the U.S. take the flag very seriously. So if you're from a country where people are less bothered, meaning they care less about that type of thing, just keep this in mind when you're making comments about the U.S. flag or the military. Because whether or not you agree, it's important to recognize that this part of the culture No, I read that wrong. Whether or not you agree, it's important to recognize this part of the culture and not step on any toes, meaning not offend anybody um, needlessly or unnecessarily. In fact, they say, in fact, it's probably best for everyone visiting the U.S. to stay away from the concept of the flag altogether, just so they don't end up upsetting somebody. I'd have to agree with that one, man. Uh, Not everybody. Like me, for example, I mean, I'm a rare case if you ask me i know there's plenty of other people like me out there in the u.s and in the world but speaking for myself and speaking relatively i'm a rare case when it comes to that type of shit because it's it's impossible to offend me whether you're talking about my flag my country my skin color my my whatever you're not gonna offend me all right your fucking words can't hurt me bro you know i i there you know what i'm saying like you say what say whatever you gotta say i'm i'm comfortable hearing a difference of opinion or the fact that you hate someone or something or you hate me or or whatever i don't give a shit i don't give a shit but a lot of people especially when it comes to the flag especially when it comes to the military they get very sensitive about that one very sensitive just don't disrespect it never ever burn a flag or step on a flag or spit on a flag or say anything disrespectful about it do not disrespect the united states military don't walk around saying, well, you motherfuckers are bombing and killing everybody overseas. You're fucking military. You fucking, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's true, even if what you're saying is valid, just understand if you say some shit like that, you might be met with resistance. <laughs> you might be met with fucking resistance, verbal and or physical. All right. Just, uh, just be careful with that one. Just be careful with that one. I might talk about that in more detail because I would need to like gather my thoughts to really give you any more detail of, of, of real substance. So I might revisit that one in a future episode. All right, but let's move on. 
do not haggle, meaning do not try to negotiate or barter with people. And so this person says, do not try to haggle. There are times when it's appropriate to haggle in the U.S., but none of them are going to come up on your tourist trip. In the U.S., haggling is basically reserved for high-ticket items and certain services. High-ticket items mean very, 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 very expensive items, like a car, for example, um, and certain services. You can't haggle for things in a store or at a restaurant. This is true. The people you are talking to usually don't have the power to change the price, and if they do, they still don't want to. This is also true. Uh, The exceptions would be of the thing in the store... Of? I think they meant if. The exceptions would be if the thing in the store is damaged... Uh, They might not reduce the price. They might just take the broken item and give you a decent one. Or if the person you're dealing with is a criminal. For example, the guy who sells stolen purses, fake sunglasses, and bootleg DVDs in the street in some cities. Goods and products in stores or at kiosks have a set price based on pretty specific metrics. And everyone pays the same price. No one's going to cry or try to convince you if you walk away. That's that's true, man. Um, I know that in other countries and other cultures, it's normal to try to negotiate. You're at a an open air market. You're in the streets. You're in a store, and you can try to like negotiate the price. Um, that's not going to happen in the U.S. If you go into the store and it says twenty five dollars, you're going to pay twenty five plus tax. That nobody can change that price. There's nothing you can do about that. Either you want it or you don't. If you want it, you're paying the price that's listed, all right? Unless you got a fucking coupon or some shit like that. You just don't expect to be able to negotiate anywhere. It's not a cultural norm. Now, if you're dealing with just a regular person, they're selling you their TV person to person, obviously go for it. Do what you got to do. But in a, like in establishments, restaurants, bar, I mean, barbershops even, um, grocery stores, etc., you're not, you're not going to be able to haggle and negotiate and get a better price on something. It's just not going to happen. All right. So don't try it because you won't be successful. All right. Moving on. Do not assume that places will be walkable. Do not rely on public transportation alone. So this says, do not underestimate the size of the United States. We get a lot of international visitors who think they can hit Disney World and the Grand Canyon in one or two days. But America is huge. We've got 50 states for a reason. We've got, oh, I see what they're saying. Also, don't expect things to be extremely walkable. And don't assume that public transportation will be available to you. Urban areas usually have good public transport. That is not true. But truthfully, America is built around having a car. That is true. We have drive through everything. drive through banks, pharmacies, fast food, and in some states, liquor stores. This is also true. There are some states, especially in the South, like um, in Atlanta, for example, you can, instead of walking into the bank, you can literally drive up to the side of the bank like you're at McDonald's or something and deposit your money, deposit a check, make a withdrawal, that type of shit. They'll talk to you through a speaker like they do at McDonald's at the drive-thru. Also at pharmacies, you don't even have to go inside sometimes. You can get your prescription without leaving your car. In some states, like in Georgia, for example, you if you want to buy a bottle of liquor, some liquor stores, they have a drive through window. And you can pull up. I'll take uh, two bottles of Jameson. Let me get that peach Ciroc right there. You know, my girl loves that shit. And uh, let me get the, the Hennessy and two six packs. And they'll just pass you all that shit through the window. Don't even have to get out. Um, which is pretty cool. 
I mean, it's probably just one more reason why we're so fucking fat and lazy. But it is cool for convenience, right? Um, and so they say, do not get weirded out if Americans wave and random... Oh, that's something different. Okay. Um, so yeah... What they're saying basically is if you come from a relatively small country and and your city, it's normal to walk everywhere or just use public transportation. Don't expect that to be the case in the U.S. because the country really was built for cars. So generally speaking, everything is very far, like very spread apart is what I'm saying. So you can't really live a good life. You're going to have a very hard time without some form of transportation in the U.S., So if you don't have a car here, you're not renting one or something, or your friend doesn't have one, you're going to spend a ridiculous amount of money on Uber because you can't just walk to the grocery store or the pharmacy or a restaurant. You're going to have to drive almost everywhere, almost everywhere, unless you live in the middle of an urban area. And even still, stuff is pretty, you know, spread pretty far apart. So you need a car or Uber or an electric bike or a motorcycle or something. And you really shouldn't come here assuming that public transportation is going to be reliable. Because although most major cities might have like a bus line, a lot of cities don't even have a metro system. And if they do, there might be one or two lines. It's not going to serve the whole city except for maybe New York. Uh, What other city? Maybe Chicago has a decent transit system from what I understand. But that's about it. So you need you need wheels. All right. And so they said, don't like, don't expect to come thinking you can see Disney World, which is in Orlando, Florida, and the Grand Canyon in Arizona. You're going to have to fly, fly four or five hours to get from one to the other. It's a gigantic country. And even in the cities, everything is just very far. Like every place is far from another place. So life is really hard without a car in the U.S., as you will see if you ever get to visit one day. I shouldn't say get to visit. If you ever choose to visit one day. All right. Um, that's one thing I like about being here in Cali uh, is, I mean, it's not really, it's a decent sized city. There's 2 million people, more or less. But each neighborhood that I've stayed in, I've been in three different neighborhoods now. Each neighborhood feels like a small town because everything you need is within walking distance. The barbershop and the grocery store and the pharmacy and the dentist and the hospital and restaurants and football fields and a park and shit like that. You can walk basically everywhere. And even if you got to call an Uber or a moto taxi or something like that, you don't have to go extremely far to get most places. You know what I mean? That's one thing I really like about being here is I rarely need an Uber for anything. I can walk to everywhere I need to go. And in all three neighborhoods I've stayed in since I've been here. And that's just not the case in my country. Without a car, man, life just fucking sucks. You know, (laughs) life sucks. So just uh, keep that in mind when you're going to visit the U.S. It's best that you rent a car or have a very large budget for Uber or something like that. All right. Moving on. This one. Um, yeah, this one's true. It says in the men's room, you always leave an empty urinal between you and another person using the other one. Eyes straight forward. (laughs) This is definitely true. I don't know. This is like, man, ladies, y'all probably don't have to. Well, I know you don't have to deal with this, but guys, a urinal is the type of toilet that you stand up to use. So you have like a traditional toilet that you can sit on to handle your business But if you just got to pee, if you're going to pee, urinate, then you will stand in front of the urinal and urinate or pee, 
right? When you pee standing up in front of that toilet, that's like basically part of the wall. You can't sit on that kind of toilet. That's a urinal. And so what this person is saying is like, if there's multiple urinals in the bathroom, don't stand right next to another guy. Leave a, an empty urinal in between you and that guy. You know, again, Americans really care about the fucking personal space. And it's just weird. It's like if you had, you had all these options and you chose the one right next to me. Same thing in parking lots. If somebody, like sometimes people who really care about their cars and don't want their cars to get hit by other careless people in a parking lot, they'll park far away from the, the entrance of the store isolated from all the other cars and there's always just some fucking douche some fucking asshole who sees all these open parking spaces and decides to park right next to your car which you intentionally isolated all the fucking spots in the parking lot and they choose to park right next to you that's the same thing as all these empty urinal stalls in the bathroom and you choose to stand right next to another man Leave one, if you can, if you can, leave one empty between you and him, all right? And don't be looking to the side like, hey, bro, how you doing? Nice day we're having, right? (laughs) Smells like piss in here, right? (laughs) All those fucking farts, yeah. Eyes front. God damn it, handle your business and get out of there. The bathroom is not a place for fraternization. That's not the word I'm looking for. It's not a place for fucking communal gatherings, and small talk, all right? Wait, just save it for when you get out the bathroom. You get in, handle your business, and get out, all right? If I'm not mistaken, in the past, the bathroom actually was a place you could just hang out. There used to be a couch in there, a dude that would give you towels to dry your hands and, and sell you cigarettes and shit. It used to, that's why they called it the restroom, because the bathroom in the past was the room that actually had a bathtub in it at home where you take a bath. There was also a toilet, right? But the restroom was a public place where you could relieve yourself. You could go number one or number two, but you could also go in there to rest, sit on the couch, smoke a cigarette, shit like that. Um, the good old days. I wish I was alive at that time, you know? Or if I, man, I probably, I probably don't. I wish I was, could just go back for like a week. Walk, why, actually, I don't. Why would you want to smoke cigarettes in the bathroom? Why would you want to chill? Sit on the couch in the in the restroom where there are three other men taking a shit. Why would why would that be your the place where you choose to rest? You're just gonna sit in there smelling other people's feces? Like what the fuck? Why did they do that? Anyway, that's fucking weird. So I don't wish I could go back to that time. All right, moving on. Um this is a good one. I, don't, I didn't even consider this until I read it on the blog post. It says, if you're staying in a private home as a guest, do not begin cleaning it without being asked to do it first or without asking. That will be insulting. So this person says, you're saying, you're saying the house is too dirty for your taste or worse, that it's so horrible that you can't even wait to be settled in before cleaning it. Another person says, if you want to be of some help, simply ask. Is there anything I can help with? And then obey the answer. Usually it will be no, you are a guest, so please be comfortable. Another person says, can I help with the dishes after a meal is another common question. Most people will say no, some people will say yes, but you do not have to ask. I would say all of that is accurate from my perspective. If you just, I don't, I didn't even consider that this might be normal in some cultures. You go to somebody's house and you're a guest and you just start cleaning shit. 
or rearranging like stuff that's in the room or cleaning the dishes or something like that. I never even considered that that might be culturally normal in some places because in the U.S., generally speaking, that's fucking weird. And like the person said here, it's, it's kind of insulting. It's like you're basically communicating. You think my house is too dirty for you to be in and you have to clean. You have to clean it up for you to be comfortable or you're trying to show me what cleanliness actually is. That's what you're just communicating, I think, to most people, including me. You know, it's like it's not your house. What are, what are you doing? Even if you have good intentions, maybe in your country that mean you, it means you have like good intentions and you're trying to like help out. But if you go to an American's house and just start cleaning, you're probably going to communicate to them that you think their house is too dirty. You know? Um, so I would agree with this person who says, you can ask, is there anything I can help with or something like that? And most people will probably say no. And you need to respect that. Even if you think the house is dirty, you know, if you want to avoid problems, don't even mention it and definitely don't start touching and cleaning shit that doesn't belong to you. Uh, but it is common. Like this person said, after you guys eat, you might ask, can I help with the dishes? Can I do this? Can I help with that? Just to be polite. Just like you fed me. You gave me food. I'm a guest in your house. I want to contribute and wash the dishes or take out the trash or blah, blah, blah. That is normal and it's very polite and respectful. A lot of people would probably say, no, you're a guest. Guests don't wash the dishes. Just relax. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. But there's nothing wrong with asking, can I help with the dishes? Can I help clean up or something like that after you guys have finished eating. That is normal. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. If you if that's normal in your country to go to a to somebody's house as a guest and just start cleaning shit, let me know. Let me know where you're from. So I can I can keep that in mind if I ever visit your country one day. Or if I have somebody from your country as a guest in my house and they just start cleaning shit, at least I'll have some idea why they're doing it. Um anyway. That's it for the list, man. That was, a, like I said from the beginning, fucking mega episode. We're at two minute, two hours, two minutes. We're at two hours and 12 minutes now. Um, part of me says I should break this up into two pieces. Part of me says, fuck it, just post a mega episode. I guess I'll decide once I start editing this episode. But either way, whether this is part one, part two, or just one full episode, as always, my friend, I want to thank you for your time and attention. Hopefully this episode has been enlightening for you in some way. Maybe you learned a few things, got a few things you could talk about in your next conversation or ask another American about. Because again, everything on this list I gathered from different sources on the internet and I've given my perspective on many of them, but none of us speak for all Americans. America, the United States, right? It's a very multicultural place. Many kinds of people from all over the world with a very, I don't want to say complex history, but again, it's not like you can't really define American unless you're talking about indigenous people, I guess. But like, it's hard to generalize Americans because there's just so many different kinds of us and we all think in different ways. We believe different things. It's, there's no like uniform, just like one American way of seeing and doing things. And I guess you could say that for every country, I'm sure. But the point I'm, I'm making is take everything that's been said in this episode and every episode with a grain of salt, you know, if you get the chance, go to the U.S., experience it for yourself, talk to multiple Americans from different places, always keep in mind that where that person was born and raised and their ethnic background has a major influence on the way that they think and see the world. That's true with everybody, right? So again, I'm not trying to say 
what everything I've said today is the law and everybody thinks this way, I'm actually saying the opposite. And I'm sure I've made that point three or four times. But yeah, hopefully you've, uh, you know, you learned a few things and you've been able to compare some aspects of American culture with your own. And like I've been recommending a lot in recent episodes, don't forget, write in your journal about these things. You could write about the differences between your culture and American culture or your perspective on these cultural norms that I've just, um, I've just shared with you. Talk about it in conversations with friends, with your English exchange partner, with your teacher, whoever it is. But talk about these things, right? I, re- I think it's really interesting to talk about culture from different perspectives, cultural norms and what's okay and what's not okay. Because we're all human, but our culture just heavily dictates the way that we choose to behave, right? It's really, really interesting. And if you would have been born 3,000 miles in a different direction, you would be behaving in a completely different way. And to me, that's fucking fascinating, man. So um, yeah, man, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode about American culture. Let me know your thoughts in the feedback section. If you're on Spotify, if you're on Discord, let me know there, whatever you got to do. Give me some feedback on this one, y'all. Let me know what you think about these cultural norms in the United States. But I'm going to get out of here, my friend. Thank you so much for all of your time and attention. This has been yet another episode of Real English Radio. I'm your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.